Well, good morning. Thanks for having me back. It's nice to be reminded how I met uh, Pastor Chad. You know what happens when a rabbi and a pastor walk into a pancake house, <laughs> and the rest is history. Anyways, um, let me, before I get into the message real quick, I'll give you a little context about myself. Some of you may have never heard of a, a Messianic Jewish believer or maybe a, a Messianic rabbi, let alone a Messianic congregation. Uh, we're on the east side where all the Jews live, and, uh, <laughs> and we are uh, not by ourselves by any means. We're part of a movement of Messianic Jewish synagogues, and I say synagogues because that is what we are. Our services are on Saturday on the Jewish Sabbath, so we, we maintain our Jewish identity. But Messianic Judaism, ladies and gentlemen, just to give you the definition of what it is, it is a biblically-based movement of people who has committed Jews— believe in Jesus, and we call him Yeshua, using his Hebrew name, as the Jewish Messiah of Israel, of whom the Jewish law and the prophets spoke. So there it is up there for you. And uh, there's some components to our movement, okay? Our movement, ladies and gentlemen, goes back about 2,000 years. People ask me, how old is Messianic Judaism? Well, we go back to the apostles, you know. (laughs) But What's important to remember is that our movement, number one, is an evangelical movement. We, one of our core values is to reach our Jewish people for the good news of Messiah Yeshua. And our, new, our, our goal is, and our vision statement comes from Romans 1, which you studied a couple weeks ago, which is uh, Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the good news, the gospel of Messiah, because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes first to the Jew, first to the Jew, and also to the nations, to the Gentiles. So that's our vision statement at Tikvah Yisrael. Our focus, our number one priority is to reach our people for about Yeshua. Secondly, Messianic Judaism is a prophetic movement. It's prophetic. God spoke about this would happen. It's nothing new, really. He said it would happen way back in the Old Testament times. The prophets spoke about how Israel would be regathered as a nation after being exiled and dispersed. So in 1948, Israel again became a nation. And in 1967, Jerusalem, for the first time in 2,000 years, was sovereignly held under Jewish control, under Israeli Control. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is, is prophetic because the Bible says it would happen in Romans 11, verses 1 through 3. Paul asks this question Did God reject his people? By no means, Paul says. I'm an Israelite myself, he says, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. So right off the bat, our movement is prophetic, and our movement also comes against a theology called replacement theology, which teaches that God is done with the Jewish people, he's rejected them and replaced them with something else called the church. That's not what the Bible says. That's not biblical. What's biblical is that God is not done with Israel. And guess what? The, the non-Jews get to come in and be a part of this covenant too. That's biblical. And part of that is what I'm here to talk about today. Now, not only are we prophetic, but it's a revival movement. And this comes from the prophet Ezekiel. Take a look at this. Ezekiel 36, 24 says, for I will take you from the nations. I will gather you out of all the countries, speaking about Israel. I'll bring you back to your own land And then I will sprinkle clean water on you. You will be clean from all your uncleanness and all your idols. Moreover, I'll give you a new heart. I'm going to be talking about that today, a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you, and I will remove the stony heart from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my ruach, my spirit, that's the Hebrew word for spirit, ruach, 
I will put my ruach within you, and then I will cause you to walk in my laws so that you keep my rulings and do them, and then you'll live in the land that I gave to your fathers. You'll be my people, and I'll be your God. See, this is prophetic. Ezekiel was speaking about a time yet to come when Israel would be revived. There would be a revival movement. And so not only is it a physical revival of our land, but it's a spiritual revival with Jewish people like myself coming to faith in Jesus, but saying, wait a minute, we're Jews. And we don't stop being Jews. Heck, we were born Jewish. We will die Jewish. Amen? Hello? (laughs) I say that because, think about it. When someone of different ethnic backgrounds and cultural backgrounds, when they come to Christ, nobody tells them, hey, you're Chinese? Okay, you got to stop being Chinese now because you're, you're Christian now, right? That's absurd. But yet Jewish people are told, well, now you're Christian. You got to stop this Jewish stuff. Wait a minute. If Chinese folks can still be Chinese and Indians can still be Indians and everybody else stays, why can't we stay Jewish? Amen? Jesus was Jewish, right? If it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. Amen? Now I get the amens. You get it now, right? All right. And finally, Messianic Judaism is a restoration movement. God is restoring something here. In Amos 9, here's a prophecy. Amos says that in that day, I will restore David's fallen tent. Look at that. That's exciting. I'll repair its broken places, restore its ruins, build it as it used to be so that they will possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name declares the Lord who will do these things. That's life from the dead. That's restoration. That's revival. That's prophecy coming to life. And in some of your lifetimes, you've witnessed these things. Israel become a nation and reborn and restored and coming to faith in Jesus is something the world should be exciting, excited about. It's life from the dead. As the apostle Paul talked about in Romans eleven fifteen. look at this. For if their rejection, Jesus, you know, we rejected Jesus at first, but not totally. If their rejection is reconciliation for the world, for the Gentiles, what will their acceptance of him be? But life from the dead. Hallelujah for that. Because that's a sign. When Jews start coming to the Lord, when Israel starts coming to faith in Jesus, wow, look out, because there's a revival coming. So that's life from the dead. That's a little context about where I'm coming from, okay? Just so you all know where I'm coming from. Now I'm going to get into the message today. You're in a series called Right with God, and the, the title of my message today is The Secrets of Men. You know, God knows the secrets of your heart. He knows what's, what's going on here. We can't fool God, right? So let's get into this. I'm going to start off with a quote from the Talmud. The Babylonian Talmud says in Shabbat 153a, a famous rabbi called Rabbi Eliezer said this, repent one day before you die. His disciples asked him, how can we do that? We don't know when we're going to die. He answered them, all the more reason to repent today. You might be dead tomorrow. A little Jewish wisdom there for you, okay? Being right with God, ladies and gentlemen, can be summed up in one word. Repentance. Repentance. And I just basically summed up your whole series. We're done, so have a good day. (laughs) That's the one word. Now, in Hebrew, that word repentance is called shuva. Everyone say shuva. Shuva. There's your Hebrew lesson for today. There it is on the board. Shuva. All right. That means repentance, but it means something more than just to repent. It means to return. To return. Has anyone ever uh, treated you bad? You know, you, you, you experience someone and you say, oh, 
Uh, that guy's kind of a jerk. I, I don't think I want to hang around that person too much. You ever feel that way, you know? Well, you know, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He's a gentleman. And when we're in sin and we grieve the Holy Spirit, he says, uh, I think I'm going to back off here. I'm going to leave. And so when God departs from our lives and there's an emptiness in our lives, we need to return to him. But guess what? When we do shuva, when we return to God in repentance, it's not only us returning to him, he returns to us. God returns back into our lives. So doing shuva, doing repentance, it's more than just us coming to him. He comes back to you. Isn't that exciting? That's the Hebrew understanding of shuva. And it's a blessing to have God's favor. It's a blessing to have the anointing of the Lord, the Almighty in our lives. However, ladies and gentlemen, how do we keep that? How do we walk in that anointing? How do we walk in being right with God all the time? Because we can be right with God today, but tomorrow we could blow it. So how do we stay right with God? Amen? So that's what I'm going to talk about today from Romans 2. So would you pray with me over this message? Let's... Uh, just give me, give me some prayer covering here, okay? Our Father in heaven, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Father, I pray right now over the, this message that you will give us a teachable heart and a teachable spirit. Anoint unworthy lips of clay, Father, to speak the word of truth in love to your sheep, your beloved people, not only those sitting here in this room with me, but also those at home that are watching, maybe even my wife. Hi, honey. <laughs> uh, Lord, please touch our hearts. Give us your spirit to open up and hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. The text that I've been assigned to cover today is Romans 2, and I'm going to just cover uh, verses 1 through 16 today. So if you'll look at this with me, I think we have it on the board. Therefore, you are without excuse, O man, every one of you, who is judging for what, by whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. We know that God's judgment on those who practice such things is based on truth. But you, O oh man, judging those practicing such things, yet doing the same. Do you suppose that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you belittle the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you to repentance? There's the word repentance. But by your hard and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath. When God's righteous judgment is revealed, he will pay back each person according to his deeds. To those who persevere in doing good and seeking glory, honor, and immortality, eternal life. But to those who are seeking, self-seeking, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and fury. There will be trouble and hardship for every human soul that does evil to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But there will be glory and honor and shalom, that's peace, to everyone who does good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. All have sinned outside of the Torah will perish outside of the Torah. The word Torah means law, God's law, you know, the Ten Commandments, but also it means the first five books of the Bibles. The Bible, Genesis, Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible is called the Torah, okay, which means God's teaching, all right? So for all, all who have sinned outside of the Torah, the people that were not given the Torah, the Gentiles, will also perish outside of the Torah, and all who have sinned according to Torah will be judged by Torah. 
that those who've been given the Torah, the Jews. For it is not the hearers of the Torah who are righteous before God. Rather, it is the doers of the Torah who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the Torah do by nature the things of the Torah, they are a law unto themselves, even though they do not have the Torah. They show that the work of the Torah is written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness through their thoughts, switching between accusing and defending them on the day when God judges the secrets of men. There's the title of my message, The Secrets of Men, According to My Good News Through the Messiah, Yeshua. Amen. That's the text that we're going to cover today. Now, last week, I watched the video of the sermon series from last week, and Pastor Joe, one of the youth pastors here, spoke to you last week, and he said that there are basically three kinds of people. He said, first... There are those who have never heard the good news before. They've never heard the gospel message. Secondly, there are people who are churchgoers. They go to church all the time. They might even pray, and they might be religious people, but they have never made a personal commitment to Jesus. They don't have a personal connection. They've never done tshuva, okay? They've never repented completely. And then there are those who recognize they are a sinner and they have repented. They've done shuva and God has transformed their lives from the inside out. That's a third category. And Pastor Joe made the point that we are all very bad people. And that's what Paul was talking about today in this passage. We've all blown it, Jew and Gentile alike. And I appreciated what Pastor Joe said because, you know, there's a lot of feel-good preachers out there, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of smiley pastors who like to just make you feel good. But this pastor, yet last week, he told you, we're all bad people. We've blown it. And he's telling the truth. Would you rather hear the truth or just feel good? Hear the truth, amen? That's what we're here for. We're here for the truth. So today, I want to speak primarily to this third type of people, those of us who've repented, but also to make sure that we stay in that category, that we're walking in Shuva, that we are walking all the time being right with God. That's what I want for my life, amen? So I'm going to challenge you, uh, those of you who uh, think you're in that category, perhaps. This third category is those who are righteous. What does the word righteous mean? That's the first point on the board. When you hear the word righteous, what do you think of? Do you think, well, God is righteous, I'm not? Or there's lots of people more righteous, you know, this pastor or that pastor, some great righteous person. What, what do you think of? I'm going to give you another Hebrew word. The word is sadiq. Everybody say sadiq. There it is on the board, sadiq. That is the Hebrew word for a righteous person. And I'll tell you what that word means, actually, just like shuva has a deeper meaning. Sadiq has a deeper meaning. It's not only a pious, religious, high person or like a title given to rabbis or prophets or people like that. It, yes, it means a righteous person, but also the word sadaka means charity. So it also has a connotation of generosity. A sadiq is someone who's not only holy, but he's a very generous person. But also the word sadiq has an element of judgment to it. It's a person who has also suffered for what is right. A person who has suffered. And this comes from Psalm 34, which in Hebrew says, Rabot raot sadiq. Which means in English, many are the distresses of the righteous, but Adonai, the Lord, delivers him out of them all. A righteous sadiq, a righteous person, someone who's right with God is someone who has a lot of problems in their life. 
a lot of distress, but God delivers him from them all. That's what a really a righteous person is. How many of you now think that you're righteous? <laughs> We've all gone through distresses where God, maybe you've experienced God has uh, delivered you from. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what a righteous person is. But Paul tells us in Romans 2 also what a righteous person is. Let me remind you what we just read in verse 13. For it is not the hearers of the Torah, the hearers of the word of God who are righteous, who are tzaddikim before God. Rather, it is the doers of God's word, the doers of the Torah that are tzaddik, that are justified, that are righteous. Many people hear the word, guys. Many people hear God's word. Many people go to church. Many people go to synagogue. People call themselves a Jew. We Jews love to pride ourselves in being Jewish. We're the chosen, right? Guess what? That doesn't mean anything. Do you do God's word? Faith backed up with action. God wants to see us doing his word, amen? There's a difference between hearing, just hearing and doing. And in verse eight, he says, but those who are self-seeking, but who, who, who do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, they have wrath and fury. So righteousness, ladies and gentlemen, are, not, are people that not only hear the word, they do the word, but they also suffer for the word of God. And who's the one who suffered the most for doing what is right? Jesus, right? He never committed a sin. He never broke any of God's commandments, and yet he suffered for doing what was right, amen? And so the more we become like Jesus, the more we become like the righteous one, the righteous sadiq, the more his righteousness becomes in us, and we become a sadiq, amen? That's what I want to be in my life. So God is righteous and holy. But what prevents us from that? What's keeping us from being right with God all the time? Paul tells us, verse, verse 5, Take a look at this. But by your hard and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath on the day of wrath. God's righteous judgment reveal wrath. Here's the answer. What is it that keeps us from being right with God? Our heart. Our unrepentant hearts is what keeps us from being right with God. You know, our hard hearts. People have hard hearts. And it's not just because people are stubborn or were stubborn. Many times our hearts are hard, ladies and gentlemen, because we've been hurt. Maybe we've been abused. Maybe we've been betrayed by someone we love. Maybe a terrible divorce. Maybe there's been a business deal gone south and you just feel betrayed by someone you once trusted. And so there's hurt. And so we don't allow that hurt to be, we don't allow ourselves to get vulnerable before God. And so we have unrepentant heart. Because we're judging our neighbor. We think, well, we've been hurt. He did something to me, God. He did something to me, or she did something to me. And and, and we're judging that person. But you know what? We're no better. But we harden our hearts. And that's what keeps us from being right with God. The key to obeying the truth starts with the condition of our hearts. By having a soft heart, not a religious spirit, not judging our neighbor, but trying to be obedient, not trying to be obedient out of a sense of obligation. Let's write this down. Let's write this down on our, on, our, uh, on our notes there. Being right with God is not the same as calling yourself a Christian or a Jew. Being right with God means having a repentant heart. Having a repentant heart is the first step in obeying God. If you want to be able to do the word of God, you can't have a hard heart. You have to have a soft heart. Only then can you obey God. Second point, God knows your secrets. God knows what's in your heart. He reads your heart like a book. He knows it all, even before it happened. 
You can't fool God. And Paul says that in in our passage here in verse 16. Look at this. On the day when God judges the secrets of men, according to my good news, we all have secrets. We all know what we've done. And it's only between us and God. Nobody else knows. Every single one of us knows that about ourselves. But here, Paul says, God's going God's to judge those secrets. So it's better to get real with God now, get a soft heart, do shuva, return to him, because he already knows. Who are we trying to fool? He already knows. It all goes back to the condition of the heart. Doing shuva, doing repentance, does not just mean feeling sorry for what you've done. It doesn't mean you're just sorry you got caught. That's not doing shuva. It has to do with changing your heart. You need a surgery. You need something coming from God that you can't do on your own. And that's what the Bible says. Listen, Jesus, when he would talk to people and encounter people, he knew what was going on in their heart. Many times this happened. And there's a prophecy he fulfilled demonstrating this. I'm going to give you the prophecy first. Jeremiah 31, verse 30. This is what God says. He says he's going to judge your heart. Behold, the days are coming. It is a declaration of Adonai, the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares Adonai. But this is my covenant. I will put my Torah, it is a declaration, I'll put my Torah in them. Yes, I'll write it on their heart. I will be their God. They will be my people. No longer will each teach his neighbor or his brother saying, no, Adonai, for they'll all know me from the least to the greatest. It is a declaration of Adonai, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. See, God does the changing of the heart. He circumcises the heart. He knows what's in the heart. And having that heart of repentance, having that law put on our heart is not something we can take credit for. God knows your heart. He knows what you're really made of. And Paul says in verse 3 of Romans 2, but you, O man, you judge those practicing such sins, yet you are doing the same. Do you suppose that you'll escape God's judgment or belittle his riches and kindness that leads to repentance? So you see, Paul is dealing with hypocrites and people with un un repentant hearts. And that's what Jesus dealt with. Jesus knows our hearts and Jesus demonstrated how he knew our hearts. You remember the story of the woman caught in adultery and these hypocritical Pharisees wanted to test Jesus. And they said, let's see if he breaks the Torah. They knew that the law of God says that anyone caught in adultery should be stoned, right? So they dragged this woman that they claim was caught in adultery to Jesus. And they said, this woman was caught in adultery. What do you say we do with her, Jesus? What was his response? He began writing in the dust. Doesn't say what he wrote, but I'm going to show you what he wrote. On the board, Jeremiah 17, God says the heart is deceitful above all things, and incurable. Who can know it? I, Adonai, the Lord, searches the heart. I try the mind. Every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds, as a partridge that broods over young that she did not lay, so is one who gets wealth unjustly. In the middle of his days it will abandon him, so at his end he will be a fool. Throne of glory on high from the beginning, place of our sanctuary, Adonai, you are the hope of Israel. All who forsake you, look at this, 
will be ashamed. Those who depart from you will be written in the dirt. Written in the dirt. For they have forsaken Adonai, the fountain of living water. When Jesus began writing in the dirt, he was writing all the names of every one of those people accusing that woman of adultery. He was writing their names in the dirt, fulfilling Jeremiah 17. He knew all of their sin. That's why they dropped down the stones. Not because he said, any of you without sin, throw the first stone. Because he showed them, every one of them. If I was the Messiah right now, and knowing all of your sin, and I began writing down what you did, what you've done, what you've done, what you've done, what every one of you have done, you would all just be like, whoa, that is what Jesus did. I'm telling you, he knows the secrets of your heart. And he began writing your name, their names in the dust. He was fulfilling this prophecy. And he told the adulterous woman, which she probably did commit adultery. He said, go and sin no more. He never broke God's law, but yet his justice and his righteousness remained intact. He passed the test and put all the hypocrites to shame. And he always did that every time because he's the sadiq. He's the righteous one. When we finally realize his kindness and his gentleness, like the adulterous woman, when we realize how sinful we are, yet God forgives us. His righteousness is still intact and we are restored. It's his kindness that brings us to repentance. And then ladies and gentlemen, finally, we get a new nature. We can then begin doing God's commandments when we have a new nature. That's the third point. We have to do and obey his word by, with a new nature doing it by nature. Pastor Chad, in opening this series in his message with Right With God series, preached on Romans 1, and he supported the fact that God has made himself known and all of his invisible qualities, his divine nature and power has been clearly seen in all of creation. That means, ladies and gentlemen, that all Gentiles, all nations, the entire world, all flesh has no excuse. God has revealed himself through creation. And while this is universally true to the nations, God revealed himself to a nation called Israel at Mount Sinai. And he gave them a direct covenant. He did this with no other nation. He did it only with Israel. However, that one nation that is unique, that God chose to reveal himself, and if it is true, he revealed himself to all nations, how much more true that Israel has no excuse because God gave them even more revelation, amen? The fact is, none of us have any excuse. We Jews take pride that we receive the Torah, and in fact, today is the 50th day after the Feast of Passover. That means today is the Feast of Pentecost. I am standing here by invitation today speaking with you on a Jewish holiday called Shavuot. And it is the day, the anniversary of when God took Moses up Mount Sinai and gave him the first tablets of the Ten Commandments on this day, on the Hebrew calendar. And I believe it's by no accident that I'm here today to tell you that just as that was the time of the giving of the law to Israel, God made a statement here to Moses in Deuteronomy 29, 13. He said, not with you alone am I cutting this covenant and this oath, but with whomever is standing here with us today before Adonai our God and with whomever is not here today. What was he talking about? Ladies and gentlemen, 
Not only was God talking about every generation of every Israelite who was yet to be born, every soul, the rabbis teach, every Jewish soul was there at Mount Sinai, but God is also speaking to all of those who would be grafted into the nations. I am cutting this covenant with Israel and with everyone who is not here today, who is yet to come into faith, who is yet to come in and be saved. I am making this covenant with you. Every one of you, God has made this covenant with us as well. God gave the Torah to no other nation, and it is true that after Abraham, God made no covenant with anyone else but Israel, even the new covenant. Because Jeremiah 31 said, I make a new covenant with the house of Israel. So in order to come into this covenant, you have to be grafted in through Jesus, who is the descendant of David of the tribe of Judah. And therefore, you are grafted in, amen? Pastor Joe said last week that when you are transformed into a new creation, you receive a new nature. That you that should be your new nature to know God, to repent and turn from your sins and to serve him. That should be our new nature. But what happens to those who are righteous and we still sin? What happens? Are we no longer right with God? What happens? Paul talked about this, ladies and gentlemen, in Romans 7, 19. For the good that I want to do, I do not do. But the evil that I do not want, this I practice. But if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I doing it, but the sin that dwells in me. So I find this principle, that the evil is present right there in me, the one who wants to do good as well. For I delight in the Torah of God with respect to the inner man, but I see a different law in my body parts, battling against the law of my mind and bringing me under the bondage, under the law of sin, which is my body, my flesh, Miserable man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, it is through Messiah, Yeshua, our Lord. So then, my mind, I, in myself, I serve the Torah of God, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. See, ladies and gentlemen, he's making a point here, and that is when God gave the covenant, he, he changed our nature, that every Jew wants to serve God, but we have this sinful nature as well. And that should be the same nature that we all have, all of us who've come in and had a revelation from God, that, we've, that the, God's word should make an imprint, an impression in our souls. And now we have a new nature, a desire to want to serve him. It is a deposit. The Holy Spirit is given as a deposit in us. And when you feel that tug and that warfare going on, when you're being tempted into sin, but your spirit is saying, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it. Then you know you have the Holy Spirit. It is, it is, it is convicting you. And that is, it is what he talks about in Romans 2 about non-Jews. This is how we know non-Jews are part of the covenant. Look at this, verse 14. For when Gentiles who do not have the Torah... God did not give the Torah with any other nation. When he says, Gentiles who do not have their, when they do the things of the Torah by nature, you keep God's commandments by nature. God gave you a new nature. You become a law unto themselves, even though they do not have the Torah. They show that the work of the Torah is written on their hearts. See, there it is. Their conscious bearing witness and their thoughts switching between accusing and defending them. So there's a remarkable spiritual fact that Paul is making here, that even the Gentiles who were not given the covenant at Sinai, they given the same measure of the Holy Spirit that we have, the same measure and a conviction of sin and the same desire to serve the Lord and having the law written on their hearts, walking in repentance, walking in obedience, walking by the Spirit of God, living in accordance with that circumcision of the heart 
and having the righteous law of God put into our hearts. That's how we can serve God. That's how we can please him. You can't fake it. You can't just try to just use the law of God as a list of do's and don'ts and try to be righteous. That's not the way to do it. You've got to have a changed heart. And in Romans 3.19, here's what Paul says about that. For we know that whatever the Torah says, it says to those within the Torah, so that every mouth may be shut and the whole world may become accountable to God. For no human on the basis of Torah observance will be set right at his side. See what he's saying there is you can't be right with God but trying to just be a good person. You can't be right with God by just trying to keep the commandments. That's not, you're gonna blow it because we're all human. We can't, that's not what the Torah is even for. The Torah is to show us how sinful we are. See, there it is right there. For the, through the Torah becomes awareness of sin. God never said in the, in the law of Moses that if you just do this, you'll have eternal life. He never said that. It's nowhere in the, in the Torah does it say that. The Torah was not given for that purpose. The Torah was given so that we could become aware of how bad we are and that we can repent and return and be, be right with God. Are you ready to be right with God? I am, and I want to stay right with God, amen? I want to be right with God. I want to be transformed and changed from the inside out. I want to live to please him, amen? I want to walk in his favor. Who wants to be righteous with me? All right, lots of hands, and I hope there's hands at home as well. If you're watching on the internet, we want the genuine thing. We want the real thing. I want the real thing, amen? So I'm gonna show you how to do shuva right now. I'm gonna help you do it the Jewish way. First step is to believe in the Messiah. First step is to soften your heart and believe in him with me right now. So I'm gonna lead you in a little prayer. The second part is to repent. And I'm going to show you that in a second. So let's first pray. And if there's anyone who wants to give his life or her life, let's soften our hearts and receive the Messiah in our hearts right now. Even if you've been hurt, whatever you're holding back, whatever anger or pain, let's give it up to God right now. Pray with me. Come on. Father in heaven, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, I come before you realizing I am a sinner And Lord, I don't even know how to begin to soften my heart. But I want to soften it because I know that's the only way. So Lord, I realize I I can't do this without you. I need that transformation. I need that surgery on my heart. So Lord, I want to invite you. Please, just come in. I know I've blown it. And there's some people that have really hurt me and I don't even know where to begin, but I just give it to you right now, Lord. Please somehow deal with this. The only the way you can. Give us the healing of Gilead, the balm of Gilead, Father. And so, Lord Jesus, I invite you into my heart right now. And as I repent, hear my prayer and let me start a new life with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, we're going to repent together. We're all going to repent. I don't care if you that was the first time you invited Jesus or not, but if that was the first time you ever invited Jesus to just come in, do yourself a favor. There's a little card in front of you in the seat. It's called the decision card. I want you to fill that out because you need someone to help you in your walk with Jesus. And don't worry. We've all been there. We've all sinned. We're all, in many ways, we're all hypocrites, Okay. 
So you need to be discipled and taught. So fill out that card that's in front of you, drop it in the offering, and someone will contact you and, and help you with your new walk with Jesus, okay? Now, the second part is repentance. And I'm going to help you, show you the way to repent. Because all Jews do this once a year at least on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. But guess what? We got to walk in repentance every day, not just once a year. And ladies and gentlemen, if that was your first time receiving Jesus in your heart, don't just make that the last time, amen? Let's walk in his righteousness. So I'm gonna invite everybody to stand and we're gonna say this prayer together. I have the words on the board. It's called the al-chet, which means all sins. I don't want God to just take away one of my sins. I want all my sins erased, amen? So we're gonna repeat all of our sins that we've committed right now. Let's do that together. For the sin we have committed against you willingly or under compulsion. And for the sin we have committed against you by hardening our hearts. For the sin we have committed against you by acting without thinking. And for the sin we have committed against you by speaking perversely. For the sin we have committed against you through sexual impurity. And for the sin we have committed against you secretly and openly. For the sin we have committed against you knowingly and deceitfully. And for the sin we have committed against you by offensive speech. For the sin we have committed against you by wronging our neighbor. And for the sin we have committed against you by sinful meditation of the heart. For the sin we have committed against you by lewd association. And for the sin we have committed against you by insincere confession. For the sin we have committed against you by spurning parents or teachers. And for the sin we have committed against you in presumption or in error. For the sin we have committed against you by violence. And for the sin we have committed against you by profaning your name. For the sin we have committed against you by unclean speech. For the sin we have committed against you by foolish talk. For the sin we have committed against you through the evil inclination And for the sin we have committed against you knowingly and unknowingly. For all these sins, O God of forgiveness, forgive us. Pardon us in Yeshua's name. For the sin we have committed against you by denying and lying. For the sin we have committed against you by bribery. For the sin we have committed against you by scoffing. For the sin we have committed against you by slander. For the sin we have committed against you in our business dealings. And for the sin we have committed against you in eating and in drinking. For the sin we have committed against you by demanding usurious interest. For the sin we have committed against you by arrogance and pride. For the sin we have committed against you by speaking gossip. For the sin we have committed against you by wanton glances. For the sin we have committed against you with haughty eyes. For the sin we have committed against you by insolence. For all these sins, O God, of forgiveness, forgive us and pardon us in Yeshua's name. For the sin we have committed against you by rejecting responsibility. And for the sin we have committed against you by contentiousness. For the sin we have committed against you by ensnaring our neighbor. And for the sin we have committed against you by envy. For the sin we have committed against you by levity. 
and for the sin we have committed against you by being stiff-necked, for the sin we have committed against you by running to do evil, and for the sin we have committed against you by tail-bearing, for the sin we have committed against you by vain oaths, and for the sin we have committed against you by hatred without a cause, for the sin we have committed against you by breach of trust, and for the sin we have committed against you with confusion of mind. For all these sins, O God of forgiveness, forgive us and pardon us in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Recounting our sins before God, ladies and gentlemen, is repentance. That's Shuva. Acknowledging them. And ladies and gentlemen, keeping a hard heart is what keeps us from being right with God. Repentance is the key. And when you look around in the world with all the violence, all the racial hatred, all of the Michigas in this world. It's all down to this one issue. We've not repented. Let us be the people that sets the example for our community, for our city, Cleveland. Let us be a people of repentance. Amen. God bless you.